Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Dave. What's up? And Tori. Hello, Internet. Uh, so we start every week with good thing. So, Dave, what you got? Oh, I wasn't ready. All right. My good thing this week is ASIC sneakers. I've been wearing them. I'm on my third pair of ASIC sneakers after like 12 years or more. They, they last me a really long time. They're really durable. Nice, breathable fabric. And the soles are made out of some kind of magical cloud muffins or something. And they're really, really comfy. Cool. I've never felt strongly about footwear, except that I dislike wearing it most of the time. Yeah, same, except I really like Asics shoes. I'm a flip-flops when I am allowed to wear them kind of guy. Uh, So my good thing this week is actually two things because they're both very very small good things uh the first is that one of our listeners jakey uh has a dog named stone cold steve boston and he posted some pictures of him and he's adorable and fantastic and that's the best name um i have been trying to convince my wife to ever since i came up with i i first thought of the name uh and like, every snake we've gotten since then, I have attempted to talk her into letting us name Dwayne the Rock Johnson the snake. <laughs> she has thus far not gone for it. And she's sitting right next to me. I'm expecting her to, like, turn around and glare at me about this, but she keeps not doing that. Maybe she can't hear me. All right, she just stuck her tongue out at me. She is paying attention. Uh, my other good thing is a video that I posted in our Good Things channel of... A little eight-year-old girl just absolutely demolishing the drums of uh, Led Zeppelin's Good Times, Bad Times. Wow. She is she is like this teeny tiny person who just wails on the drums. And like her foot barely touches or like barely reaches to hit the bass pedal. Aww. And, but she's fantastic. And also, until I watched this video 30 times... I had not realized how cowbell-heavy Good Times, Bad Times was. <laughs> really? There's a I lot of cowbell that in that either. song. Um, so those are my good things. So, Tori, I believe it's your turn now. Oh, man, guys, I'm having trouble coming up with a good thing this week. Um, yeah, I'm not feeling it. I apologize. Oh, no, all of Tori's things are bad. Your good so, thing could be how much fun your dog has been having uh, being yeah, on you I'm know, gonna make a road that, trip. I'm going to make that my good thing. Um, so, the country, we're having some massive storms this week, and there's lots of flooding, and we have had to evacuate our house, uh, which so far has not flooded. Last time somebody went over and checked on it for us, it's not flooded. Um, but back for another several days because of the... Uh, forecast and more storms being predicted 
so my husband and my pets and I are staying uh, with my husband's parents who have a farm. Um, and my dog thinks it is the best thing ever. So this is like Phantom's favorite place to be. There are cows. There are other dogs. There are huge open spaces to do the zoomies in. Yesterday we found a turtle. Zoomies. Yeah, zoomies. That's is this a dog thing I don't know about? Zoomies? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Dogs do the zoomies. Y- you should look it up. Um, uh, my cats do zoomies sometimes. Like it's an animal thing. I've never had maybe, a cat. Maybe I've seen it before, but I just didn't know what it was called. Anyway, so yeah, that is going to be my good thing. Is just Phantom is having the, the time of his life. Um, he's really enjoying. Um, so the the two dogs that live here are named Scooby and Scrappy, and Scooby really does look like his namesake. Uh, <laughs> Scrappy is little um, black terrier thing, so doesn't really look like Scrappy Doo. But um, yeah, they're getting along great running all over the place. It's uh, it's good to see him enjoying himself. Well, I would hope that a real-life dog doesn't look like Scrappy-Doo, because Scrappy-Doo was a full-size Great Dane's head on, like, a Jack Russell Terrier's body. Yeah. And as he doesn't look yeah, like Scrappy. And he always stood up on his hind legs like that, walking around like a person, like, ugh. Yeah, that would be bad. Anyway, uh, Dave, cat zoomies are... Well, what it looks like when our current cat does them is she'll get really, really excited for no reason and just have so much energy that she has to go run as fast as she can, as far as she can in our house, which is the dining room, up the stairs, down the hall, to the bedroom at the end, and if she still has too much energy, she'll run all the way back and do it again and repeat that until she's tired enough. You know, Weasley does that, but I think he just gets surprised or scared by something and just runs away. I don't think it's because he has too much energy bottled up. Oh, well, Delilah is is definitely not scared of things when she does that. That's just, she's so excited about everything. Ah! <laughs> uh, Wait so, till she grows up and has to pay for college. Speaking of being excited about things, Dave? You read a bunch of chapters this week, didn't you? Yeah, I got to read five chapters this week. Personal best, not counting catching up with Elantris back in the beginning. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was was that all? Did you? Were you, you gonna? I was, talk I was expecting that? you to like. Yeah, no, I thought you were gonna lead me in a little more, but he was waiting for the witty banter. I'm sorry, Dave, but you're gonna be waiting a long time. Yeah, Craig's not here. Well, let's let's calm down with that witty. Let's not throw it around like, you know, like it has no meaning. All right. Chapter 14. Ruin and Preservation. Spook is hooked on tin. The citizen. Greet slot. Quillian is a funny name for an upriser. Beldra has breasts and smells nice. Quillian, Olin, <laughs> and third voice. <laughs> <laughs> Why else would Spook like her? She better smell nice with his enhanced sense of super duper senses of everything. 
Yeah, see, that's something I hadn't considered. You're right. But, you know, that's the reason he was ogling Elrian and probably why he likes Beldra. Oh, I just realized Spook can't ever take care of a cat. Because it smells too bad? Or because it'll, yeah. like, kill him when he scratches Spook? It'll hurt too much? Actually, both. But the the, the bad smell. Wow. I've got a litter oh. box set up, like, behind my recliner, and I'm getting just, every once in a while, the breeze, the breeze will shift and just litter box smell. Wow. Well, he's living among Ska and stuff, so, you know, I'm sure he's used to dealing with bad smells. Well, all right. I think we need to take him off our take care of cats list, though. I think it's just says it at this point. Hmm. And clubs, except not anymore. Rest in peace, clubs. All right, so the beginning of this chapter, in the epigraph, we uh, learn about preservation a little bit. And Vin has mentioned preservation or mentioning that the titanium nuggets were the power of preservation. And I was wondering why that was capitalized. But apparently preservation is some other god or entity, uh, presumably the one that captured and imprisoned ruin and i wrote down a lot of thoughts on this in the discord as i was reading basically just the intro to chapter 14 so uh first of all it says that ruin's consciousness was trapped by the well of ascension and i thought that was weird because i thought that his consciousness was relatively free because he was able to talk talk to people and and everything but he was able to communicate with him. And then I thought maybe there's just some kind of force that connects people to him as he's at the well. Some kind of magnetic or metallic force, which is like how he can talk to the Steel Inquisitors and Vin when she's wearing her earring. And Zane, who also had a spike in his chest. And I'm, I was also wondering maybe ruin and preservation were two parts of the same whole, like, like a yin and yang sort of thing. And maybe preservation wanted to separate, ironically, or maybe ruin would, you know, tried to separate and preservation thought it too dangerous to reunite them or wasn't able to bring them back together. But I don't know. But apparently the mists are somehow sort of like ruin's body or maybe perhaps both of their bodies in a way. So. So it said something like that. I should have had the book open, but whatever. Yeah, so I'm I'm thinking that the mist is actually like the physical incarnation of ruin, or perhaps both ruin and preservation. So that was a lot just in the intro to chapter 14. And now we get to focus on Spook here, who has been burning tin for so long that he became a super tin man. And there's a term for it that we learn in a couple chapters, so I won't spoil it just yet. But he is up in Urto. That is Elend and Straff Ventures' hometown that was overtaken when Straff went to attack Luthadel. It was overtaken by Ska, and the leader of this Ska city is called The Citizen. And this is a man by the name of Quellian, which I think is kind of funny because... You know, if he got quelled, he wouldn't have uprised. Uh, there's also in Urto street slots. Basically think Venice dried up and now it's just a bunch of troughs 
where people have to like walk back and forth. And Quillian, the citizen, also has a sister that he's very protective of, always keeps her nearby, but she she doesn't get to go in on the secret meetings. And Spook has a little crushy poo on her. I assume that she has breasts and smells nice. And Spook is listening in on a conversation that Quellian is having with Olid and a third voice, which is as yet unnamed, but I'm I wrote down a note here because I'm wondering if it's actually going to turn out to be somebody that we know already. I don't know, but Spook learns through eavesdropping here that Ellen and Co have found the uh, Vititan ATM store, not ATM store, the the supply cache in Vititan. And yeah, I I don't know if he's figured out quite yet if Berto supply cache has been found. And as I was reading this, I actually couldn't remember if Ellen even mentions a supply cache in Erto because I was I thought that they were going to I thought that they were going to Fadric City. That's the next one that Vititan indicated that they should go to. But I thought it, they said something like, oh, this is the last one. Or maybe they had Erto initially, but they weren't able to get the supplies out. Maybe that's what it was. Anyone want to refresh my memory? I honestly don't know what information the book has given you and what it hasn't at this point. Okay, but Spook is under the impression that Erto has a supply cache and is also under the impression that Elland is aware of it and is coming to get it. So but, I just assume that I misremembered something. But I suppose that even if you don't have this information yet, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, so I'll just lay it out. There's a supply cache. Uh, it's in a, uh, a ministry building. Spook is using it as a headquarters and because the city is occupied by Quellian and not Ellen's forces, they can't empty it out. Okay, so, maybe that was it. Maybe they had found it before but weren't able to empty it out. Yeah, they, oh. know, they know where it is. They know what's in it. They can't empty it out because they don't have control of the city yet. Okay, that would actually explain everything. That would also indicate that Fadric City is the final cache as well. Though I can't remember why they thought there was a specific number of them. And it would give us a reason to, you know, care about what's going on with Spook. Yeah, but we care about Spook. Do we, though? Oh, he's cool now. Is he, though? He's got a blindfold. He's cool. Does he, though? Yes. Maybe not till chapter 16. Because chapter 14 takes place at night. And what, what kind of crazy person would wear a blindfold at night? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Somebody to whom stars are as bright as the morning sun. So chapter 15, you say? Yeah, chapter 15. Uh, okay. Are you ready for this, Mike? Uh, you have set me up to be very <laughs> worried about this. Okay. So I guess All right. I guess I'm sitting down, so... Just trust me on this. Okay. Just... I hope... I don't know. Okay. The deepness is acting mysteriously, and they're mistreating no. Vin. They turned misanthropic. Vin feels dismissed. She misses the good old days. She thought they were friendly, but she was mistaken. Something was lost in transmission. Huge man agrees. <laughs> no. Boo. No. <laughs> 
Boo this right. man. <laughs> Boo. Uh, so we got you know a little uh, backstory about Ham and how he's really attached. I guess it's not backstory. It's just Ham being Ham. He's really attached to people, and he's really sorrowful that he has to basically send a large percentage of his soldiers out to die so that they can be inoculated against the mist. Uh, Ellen and Vin seem to be convinced that this is the right thing to do. It's the best strategy, and everybody. Everybody who's going forward with the inoculation, we learn, is also doing so willingly. They know what's going on. They had the option to return back to the central dominance. But uh, Vin can't help shake the feeling that the mists are acting differently. And her pet Colas, Hugeman, agrees. And I, I'm pronouncing it Hugeman. It looks like it's spelled the same as human. But uh, well, let me put it this way. You guys, you know what a silent G is, right? Like in the word sign? Yes. Well, Hugeman has the opposite. It's an invisible G. Well, it's actually pronounced Hugman. <laughs> See, because he, he's I, so adorable and huggable. I thought it was Hugeman because he was a giant, you know? Hugman. Now, in the audiobooks, it's just human, but yeah. Well, they don't get everything right. Hugman sounds like the worst Mega Man boss ever. <laughs> Hugman? <laughs> Clearly, well, Tori, you have not watched the uh, the unraveled episode on the Mega Man Robot Masters because, according to that, Hugman sits like top third easily. Okay, I have not seen that, but now I need to. It's very that was good. One of but my this, this is not the place for that. That's more of a good thing time. Okay, any questions about chapter fifteen? Just a little quick. You know, getting some reflections from Vin and Human and also from Ham. And puns. Yeah, I had to write something for this chapter. But in chapter 16, we get to check back in with Spook, right? Uh, were we supposed to read that far? Just kidding, I got it. So, do you love me or do you hate me, Mike? I overplay it, but I actually did enjoy that quite a bit. <laughs> Alright, chapter 16, Allomantic Savant. Spooky blindfold. I wonder if French Stewart and Gilbert Gottfried are tin savant. Spook drinks tin coffee. And we're going to get into that in a second. Spooktacles. Dern the Thief Lord. Basically communism. Kelsier's little speeches. Count the skulls. Spook tries to be a hero. Stoop, spook. All right, so we get to check back in with Spook. And, you know, the way Erto is being run right now is pretty reminiscent of the USSR and how everybody has to wear gray, but the generals can wear, like, slightly brighter colors and the citizens going around in, like, a brazen red that so that he can stand out from everybody else. Uh and Spook has a blindfold now because his he cannot shut off his tin powers. And he he does still have to consume and burn tin, but it, it burns slowly enough that and it's cheap enough that he doesn't have a problem staying supplied with it. And he has reached a threshold which Vin, you know, in, in the wellhead understands to be called an alomantic savant. So he's got a blindfold and he uh, he wakes up and he's got a little coffee cup with his tin grounds in it 
and he goes and gets himself some tin coffee. And come on, Mike, what do you got for me? I actually didn't think of anything. I tried, and I, got, I had nothing. I'm sorry. I have several. Okay. So, I put this challenge to the other members of the podcast to come up with a little saying that might be on Spook's coffee mug. And I wrote a few. I have, it's too bright today. Mug of Ascension. Uh, but I think this one's really good. It has the word snore on it. But instead of, it's with a capital S, lowercase n, with a box around it, like a periodic table, and then a capital O, R, E. And I actually <laughs> wrote this on a coffee mug at work, and I'll go ahead and upload it into the Dave Arts channel. So, it, you know, so it's, or it's actually capital, yeah, capital O, R, E. So, you know, it says snore, or does it say tin ore? Or it could be maybe one of those color-changing coffee mugs. So that it says snore when it's cold, but then when it heats up, you get the the little box for the periodic table and, you know, chemical number 50 for tin. So that, you know, when it's empty, you snore, but when it's full, it's tin ore. That's and, extremely good, and I like it a lot. And yeah, I that's think actually I need to, pretty clever. I think I need to get us a shop set up for that. That is amazing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was wondering if maybe we could start merchandising. Okay, but I have another one. When I was thinking of the color-changing coffee mug, I also drew up this little design, which I will also upload into the the uh, Dave Art channel and the Discord. So basically, when it's cold, it says ruin, and when it's hot, it says preservation. Okay, I get the concept. That's really difficult to read on the way you have it set up. Okay. Yeah, but that's that's because the mug is cold, so it's hard to see the other letters. Maybe I should have done it with a brighter gray. Maybe have the preservation uh, lit up when it's cold and then ruin when it's hot? I don't know. But the point is that you won't see it when it... What's the point, though? I don't know. But are you ruined when you have coffee or when you're out of coffee? When you're out of coffee, that's when the ruin happens. Mm-hmm. All right, so Spook drinks tin coffee. And he has uh, he has some spooktacles. Those are his, the glasses that he wears underneath his blindfold, so that he can actually open his eyes without like the blindfold getting in the way and holding his eyelids shut. I guess. I just wanted to say spooktacles. That's why I wrote it down. That is also very very good. I'm a big fan of spooktacles. All right. So Spook has a contact in Erto named Dern the Thief Lord, and Spook. You know, has money and he's like, all right, you gotta give me, give me some intel, earn your money. And Dern, Dern knows that Spook is not really blind. He goes around with a blindfold and, and a cane and tries to play off like he's a, a blind beggar. But Dern, Dern's known him long enough and at least Spook, Spook believes that, that Dern knows he's not really blind, at least. So. They're in one of the biggest street slots, the market slot or whatever it's called. And the citizen is having a little parade where he's going to do some executions. And, you know, Spook is like, hey, what's, well, I don't care what's going on. And Dern tells him to count the skulls. And I don't know what that means yet. Hopefully Spook didn't die and we'll find out. Uh, but the citizen is given 
a speech and Spook is really upset because because the citizen is not doesn't really understand Kelsier's as a person or his motivations, but he's taking, you know, words to start this government built on hate. And they basically have total hatred toward nobility or anybody with noble blood. And we also find out that uh, they are actually elementers, so they're big old hypocrites. So Spook tries to get close to Beldra, and he's like, I'm going to kill your brother. And she's like, all right, go, hope God, you're not the first one to try. Good luck. And so he does, tries and then finds out they're alamancers and he gets bopped on the head and blacks out. And that's the end of chapter 16. All right, let's talk for a minute about Quellian and uh, whether or not he got Kelsier's message right. I would actually wow. argue that he understood what Kelsier was doing better than Elland and the crew did. I think that he understood Kelsier's old message before Kelsier started to be more sympathetic toward noblemen, I guess. Like Kelsier's Kelsier, change of heart happened about ten minutes before he died. That's true. So, yeah. The the idea that that message didn't get out there, that's a reasonable one. Yeah. Um, but... No, you're, you're probably right. I think that... I think that Kelsier's actions speak loudly enough where he just goes around slaughtering noblemen and slaughtering anybody that works for a nobleman. And, you know, I, I raised some definite concerns about that even in the reading of Mistborn. Uh, also, this, the, this is where it got him. The hypocrisy that you raised, uh, that Quellian keeps Alamancers around. Um, what was the crew Right, well, they were all Alamancers. But what was Kelsier himself? They were. They all had noble blood, but they weren't in the. They weren't nobles. They just had been descended from nobles. I mean, other than Breeze, but they didn't really. Most of the people didn't know about Breeze in his past. Listen, all I'm saying here is that I think Quellian actually got a better take on, or like a more accurate take, I should say, not better, like because what Quellian is doing is is straight up awful, but it's also the same thing that Kelsier was doing. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it to you. Which which is not in any way saying that either of them were right to do so. But I feel like Quellian got it more accurately than certainly than Ellen did. Sure. I mean Ellen was the noble guy. And there you go. Alright. Let's let's move on to 17. All right. Chapter 17. Flu shot day. Deification of Kelsier. Demo! That's it. It's flu shot day. They're going to go all stand out in the mist to get their inoculations slash die. And, you know, we get a little Ellen talking to Demo and learning about the Church of Survivor. And then Demo comes down with a case of Missed flu and dies. That's chapter 17. I feel like you had a missed opportunity for uh, making an Avatar reference there. Everything changed when the mist attacked? No, the and dies line. Because the secret tunnel episode. Do you not remember the song from the secret tunnel? I don't remember what I said. 
Well, the the line is Anne dies, but like sung super dramatically because that was the last line of the song, and he couldn't remember a couple of the lines leading up to it, and it was great. Secret <laughs> Tunnel, best that. episode. I know it's your favorite episode. It's so good. All right. So yeah. Um. I guess Ellen just assumed that Demo had already been inoculated, but nope, he's dead now. Okay. Chapter 18? Anybody? Yes, let's do chapter 18. Yes, please. I would okay. like some chapter 18. Let's do some chapter 18. Bye, little pony. Goradel likes the farmers. Terrace in pits of Hathson. King Sazed, master keeper. The V's are no longer consummate. There we go. So, yeah. Sazed and Ham and Alrian are walking. I thought that they were supposed to be going to Erto, but apparently they're going through Luthadel. Maybe they were like west of Luthadel because they were meeting up for getting. I don't know. Can I pause I real quick? Yeah. Did you mean to say Breeze instead of Ham? Yes. Okay. All right. I'll go back. So Sazed and Breeze and Alrian are traveling and, you know, they're supposed to be heading toward Urto and their last horse gets sickly and too weak to carry a rider. So they send him off into the wilds to fend for itself and hope to find food beneath all the ash. And Breeze and Alrian offer Sazed to ride in with their carriage, which is now being drawn by soldiers, but Sazed uh, it feels too guilty about, you know, having other people carry him or carry his carriage. So he decides to walk and try to keep studying the religions while he's walking. And they get back to stop in the Luthadel for supplies before heading to Erto. And Sezed takes off and leaves Breeze in charge for a bit. Goradel, remember, he's the guy that was the guard at Credit Shaw. He's now a captain? Or, or is he the general? He's pretty high-ranking army dude now. And he says how he used to be a farmer, but he couldn't stand you know, working in the fields, knowing that all his works would just be going to people that beat him up. And he sees hope in the ska farmers now because they're actually working in order to save themselves and to save their loved ones. So even though life is hard, the Ska are freer than they were back in the time of the Lord Ruler, and Gorodel sees hope in that. So Sazed goes off to visit his brethren in the pits of Hathson. This is where the terrorist people are living right now. They're herdsmen, as they once were before the time of the Lord Ruler. And finally, they actually have a... A little bit easier life than the ska right now. So for first time in maybe over a thousand years, the terrorists actually are living more easily than the other races of the world. And they they, they call Sazed king and he tells them to stop it. So they call him master keeper instead. He probably doesn't like that either. And many of the terrorists were eunuchs and stewards. Well, if you know, they're still eunuchs. <laughs> Yikes! And yeah, that, did, that didn't stop there. being a thing just <laughs> just cause. <laughs> Although eunuch is really a, a position that includes a, a certain physical attribute, it's not it's not referring just to you know the physical attribute. You don't know what I do for this world. I keep the 
terrorists from growing their genitals back by being alive. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they still are wearing their servants' robes with with the multiple colors and the Vs, but the Vs are no longer consummate. If you read Mistborn and the hero, I'm sorry, Mistborn and the Well of Ascension, the Vs are like a special typeface, bold, sans serif V. But now the Vs are just, they're not consummate anymore. They're just the, the regular typeface of the rest of the text. I always thought it was weird that he had a different typeface for the Vs anyway. I'm, I'm glad for this retcon. So we're really starting to get into the meat of the story at this point. At the beginning of part two. Uh, so first off, how do you feel about Spook being a major viewpoint character now? I think it's pretty cool. We get to see, you know, how his attitude was toward the group. And, you know, he we always kind of were just like, oh, oh yeah, there's Spook, you know. But that's how he feels he's being treated, too. So he's right. Because, you know, I didn't pay that much attention to him before. Um, but now that he's got this ability with super-duper enhanced senses, you know... He's going to try to use that to, to stand out and, and do something more heroic, uh, which he tries. And, you know, he's, he's very good in combat because he can sense things from farther away. And the tin apparently also enhances his ability to react to things. He's Daredevil. More of a pewter thing, but. Uh, maybe it works differently savantly. He, d- he doesn't have faster reactions. He just has more information to react to. Yeah, but he also has the ability to comprehend all that information. But at the same time, it also hurts extra much when he gets hit. So, double-edged sword. Day. But yeah, I'm interested in seeing where this goes. I hope it works out between him and uh, him and Beldra. She seems like a nice girl. Yeah, she smells nice and has breasts. Yeah, and, you know, she seems like she doesn't necessarily approve of what her brother's doing. She she does kind of give it lip service, I think, just for a moment, but it's more just like, a, well, other people have tried to overtake him, and this is the way things are, and yada yada, but I don't think she's completely sold on, on uh, Quillian's ideas. All right, next up. Uh, in this section, you get introduced to a brand new Allomancy concept, uh, that being savants. So, first off, how cool is that? It's really cool. And second off, with this one example, uh, do you feel like you can pretty well extrapolate what, like, other metal savants would, would become? You know, you'd, that you'd think that's the kind of thing that I would think about throughout the week, but it, I didn't really... Um, the one thing I was actually more trying to think about is what happens if Tin actually runs out of Spook? I said that backwards. What happens if Spook actually runs out of Tin? Because he does still have to keep consuming and burning Tin. If he runs out, does he just completely lose all of his senses? You know, you'd think that's the sort of thing that we're going to see in a chapter coming up at some point. Hmm. That would be my guess as to what would happen. Uh, but yeah, pewter, I think would probably be the most dangerous because it burns quickly. So 
you would have to stay very well stocked on it or else you know you would probably just die well when the, your computer uh, runs out the chapter epigraph that talks about this uh, specifically mentions pewter as being extremely dangerous. That's right, yeah. Um, All right, so what else we got? I could and, put more thought into it and come back next week, or I could just muse on the spot here. Like, what else? Other most, metals. Most bronze burners just become savants just because they can. Like, like, like they don't get a huge benefit from it, just a little bit like lar- lar- longer range. And I mean, maybe that was the that was Marsh's ability to like tell the different you know pulses from each other, like that's just part of oh, being yeah. a savant. Then how did Vin do it? Uh, she didn't until she burned Duralumin with it. No, she doesn't. She didn't have Duralumin in Mistborn. She's sitting with Kelsier and telling Kelsier which metals he's burning. No, she could just tell that like there were different pulses, not what they were. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure there's a scene where she's like, oh, you're burning pewter. Oh, you're burning steel. All right, Whatever. never mind then. Uh, wow, steel and iron, that would be pretty interesting. I wonder if you would just become a giant magnet. <laughs> so if you become an iron savant, metals just are constantly moving toward you. Um, this and is a you're... minor spoiler, but I don't think we've seen an iron savant even in, like, the Era 2 stuff. And then a Steel Savant would just repulse metal constantly. That would be pretty interesting. Additional minor spoiler, we do see a Steel Savant in Era 2. Oh, cool. I'm looking forward to that. I'll see you in five years, Steel Savant. I think that we're, there's probably going to be a bunch of non-Mistborn-related stuff before we get to Era 2, huh? Um, I could look. That's fine. So, how about Copper? I wonder if if you're a copper savant, if you could actually, you know, be doubly strong against people that would be able to pierce copper clouds. Okay, we've got after Hero of Ages, Warbreaker, Way of Kings, and then Alloy of Law. So only two books in between. Okay, I guess Alloy of Law is the next Mistborn after yeah, this one. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Era 2, book one. So fourth book in the trilogy. Well, first book in the new yeah, quadrology. Exactly. Uh, a trilogy can be more books. I mean, look at Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That's a trilogy of five books. Yeah, I'm pretty sure calling oh, it a happy trilogy. Happy Tal Day, was... by the way, everybody. Yesterday was Tal Day. That's what should have been my... Can we do a good thing again? Can't believe. Just save it for next week. But next week won't that, be Tal Day. Right. Okay, but the episode doesn't come out for like two and a half months, so... What other medals we get? Uh, I've got a grill going outside that Devin lit that I can smell the charcoal burning, and it smells amazing. Could you be an ATM savant? That would be OP, dude. I feel like that would be the most expensive thing possible. <laughs> so, with the with something like tin or pewter, if you become a savant and then run out of the metal, I think the effects are kind of obvious. But then, like, what if... You're a steel savant, and you're always repulsing metal, but then you run out of steel. Then do you just, like, do you just not have the ability to push steel anymore because you've run out? Or That's funny. But then other things like, yeah, like copper and, and bronze, if you ever run out of that stuff after becoming a savant, would there even really be any kind of detrimental effect? Hmm. 
Well, I feel like most copper and bronze burners eventually just become savants anyway and just don't really notice. That could be. So what about zinc savants? Like, I mean, it's entirely um, possible that... Uh, I've, Breeze might be one. <laughs> yeah, Breeze could be one already. <laughs> yeah. And then Alrian is the same thing, but with the other metal, whichever Brass. one that is. Brass? Okay. No, but there's an obvious threshold of regular tin burning and what Spook is now. There, you know, it isn't just like, oh, he got really good with tin. It's like, he got super duper permanently enhanced ability with tin. Right, and the the epigraph specifically like singles out tin as being very very special uh, mm. among metal savants. What would a gold savant do? Like, do you get a third like choice thing from your past that it shows you a new thing at that point? Maybe your your echoes would be tangible in some way, even if only you can interact with them physically. That would be pretty. That'd be pretty nuts. That would be weird. And then, yeah, how about an aluminum savant? You can get rid of your other metals really, really, really easily. <laughs> You're just super good at not having any other metals. Does aluminum make itself go away? I honestly never figured that out. Like, I've asked that same question. And I don't know. If it does, you would need a constant influx of aluminum just to become a savant. What would be the point of flaring aluminum? <laughs> Can you flare duralumin? It already uses an entirety of metal reserve in a moment. Yeah, but that's the secondary metal that it uses up. Presumably, right, but... you, could, you could flare duralumin and get an extra boost of whatever. Honestly, I don't know. At the same cost of other metal. Happens if you burn duralumin and aluminum at the same time. I think it makes you not a misborn anymore. We better get some more titanium. Uh, so yeah. Um, where do you think this is all going? Do you have any new ideas about the, uh, the end of the book? I think they'll save the world. Specifically, which they? Vin and Sezed. Maybe Ellen. Marsh probably will do something cool, too. All right. Um, I don't know what else to ask you without, like, unintentionally leading you in a direction I don't want you to artificially go. So mm. I think that means that we get to kick you off. Unless Tori has something. Tori, you got anything? I do not have anything, no. Okie doke. Then I, I think hope that... Tensoon comes back next week. Me too. The like, Tensoon chapters are super back. fun. Like, actually gets out and meets up with Finn next. By the end of part two, I want Tensoon and Vin to reunite. Oh, that's a, that is a good and finally not spoilery thing that I can share uh, from Fel Knight in the chat. Aw, Dave misses his puppy. Yeah. Fel Knight has said a bunch of other very interesting things in the chat, but they're all spoilery things that I can't share. Yeah. Uh, so, no more Dave. Go away. All right. Have fun, guys. Bye, Dave. Bye, this Dave. This includes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. You stop that. We already have it recorded. All right, he's actually gone this time. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. 
There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Um, so, Dave's got some really accurate guesses, huh? Yeah, yeah, he does. Specifically, uh, pointing out that Ruin can talk to people who have been spiked, like Inquisitors and Vin and Zane. And the part where Ruin and Preservation are two sides of the same... Uh, and that he'll almost certainly figure out what's going on with Spook right away because he'll have been pierced by metal. Yeah, I think he'll figure that out right away. Dang, dang, dang. Uh, so what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, so Fel Knight has been posting some stuff that apparently, um, Wax is no longer a savant that got, that got changed. I thought that Wax was a steel savant. I thought that was canon, but apparently that has been changed. Uh, yeah, so Fel Knight says that that was retconned. So it was a thing, and now it's not a thing. Uh, and I'm reading the link that he posted, and apparently Brandon is just going into... Like, he feels that being a savant should include some sort of negative consequence to go along with the, like, additional power, and Wax being able to just steal Bubble as being a savant didn't include a negativeness to it. So, I mean, that makes sense, especially with what we see of uh, of Soulcaster savants in the uh, Stormlight books. Yeah. Which so I'll be... just really good at it? Maybe... Um, I'll be interested to see if Dave picks up on on Soulcaster people being savants, because I absolutely did not until I was outright told by the copper or yeah by the copper mind when I looked up savants because I was trying to dig into some stuff and it's like hey yeah Soulcasters also savants dang yeah uh, I'm with you I didn't pick up that they were supposed to be savanting but yeah. Once, once it was pointed out to me, it makes a lot of sense that, like, just, I mean, they are, they are turning into the thing that that they have been turning things into. And I actually just got done re-listening to the uh, interlude with the one smoke savant lady, who, um, given what we know of how soulcasters are used, almost certainly has spent most of her life making poop turn into smoke. That that seems like a terrible way to lose your humanity. It really really does. But like out on the shattered plate out on the shattered plains, Dalinar explicitly notes that like they build or they dig a trench for latrines and then every few months they have a soul caster turn it all into smoke. And yep, that's that's a good use of of your soul casters that eventually themselves turn into smoke, I guess. I mean, it is important for, you know, camp hygiene to not have the place overrun with poop, but still seems like a kind of a, a bad yeah, a bad deal. That's yeah, if I was going to turn to smoke for some reason, I sure hope it's not that one. Um, oh, and Fel Knight also asked if Miles was a gold savant because of how much gold he burned for health. And I have no idea 
because again, yeah, because when you get into compounding, it it's doing something else entirely. And I also just I don't have a good concept of like what a gold savant would get, and like the thing he actually cared about was the was you know the compounding for healing, and not so much the burning, because the burning was just a thing he had to do. The compounding and the ferrucami for healing was the thing that he got to do. And what what would a a speed bubble savant get? Like a bigger speed bubble, or time is slowed down further, or like what? Hey, Fel Knight thinks there's a word of Brandon on that, so let's see what he pulls up. It's so nice having a researcher available. Yeah, I dig it. So then... Now the question is, do any of the other magic systems come with their own savants? Because Allomancy does. Well, yeah, and, and we know that soul casting does, so which logically which it would follow. Soul casting is specifically a a very specific like version of this other larger magic system, which is a small part of this other even bigger magic system on Roshar. Uh, if someone were able to burn the amount of Bendeloy needed to become an Alimantic Savant with the metal, they would be able to anchor the speed bubble to themselves, allowing the speed bubble to move with them. They would also be able to influence the size of the bubble and the amount of time it gives. That What's the negative? Bonkers. What's the negative? Maybe you're just stuck in a speed bubble all the time? That would be pretty negative. Uh, apparently the negative is Rafo. Or watch Click. Alright, fair enough. Although I wouldn't recommend anyone having to watch the Adam Sandler only okay rom-com click. Except that Chris Walken was pretty good in it. He he seems to have a sense of exactly how ridiculous he should be in a given movie. And like hits it on the head every time. I find him creepy. And he does that extremely well as well. Alright, so we have talked about Dave being eerily accurate and we've gone into savants. Is there another thing we need to hit? Because we're right at an hour right now. After uh, deleting... No, I feel good about this one. Cool. After deleting pauses, we're probably going to be closer to like 50, 55 minutes, but I'm good with this. Fel Knight, you got anything you want us to go into? Um, we really let Dave down on not coming up with coffee mugs for him. I, I feel like that's something we should do for next time. But he made such good ones. The the tin ore one is really, really amazingly good. I want to own this cup, and I want to make a lot of money selling it to people. I don't know about a lot of money. I mean, we're talking about want, not gonna. All right, yeah, let's, right, yeah. let's cut out. So, good night, everybody. Good night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast, or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.